James, you and I have seen lots of new releases this week, but one of them is 13 Lives, yeah. which is having a cinematic rub is primarily being pushed on Amazon Prime. So if you, if you don't know, 13 Lives is based on the true story of the uh, teenage football team and their coach in Thailand who were trapped and stranded in the Tam Luang cave in very famous story in Thailand. Time, yeah, it? I mean, it's very recent and, and I feel like most people will remember this story. These They, they were a football team, they were playing practice and um, they wanted to visit the cave, which is part of this national park nearby. And they did that and they entered and then flash flooding uh, caused by monsoon rainfall that was early. It wasn't mm. monsoon season yet. Um, drenched this cave and flooded it within a matter of hours. And the team were lost uh, in the narrow passageway of the caves uh, and and as we you know know from the beginning of the film no one knows what the status of the the team was right yeah for, for many days was there almost yeah. 10 days so uh this is that story and it's about the hunt to find them and the hunt to rescue them now obviously this being such a famous story i think the film kind of operates on the basis that you do know what happens yes and, and but but what is uh and we'll, as we'll discuss is interesting is about how the film functions almost regardless of the fact that you might know what happens. So it features Colin Farrell, Viggo Mortensen, and Joel Edgerton, uh, primarily as well as a, a whole list of, uh, of Thai cast members. And it is about, it is a two and a half hour film about the rescue from Tamaroyne Cave in 2018. Ron Howard's directing it. Interesting. He's done a safe pair of hands. He's a safe, sorry. Ron Howard's directing it. James, you've seen it. I've seen it. What yeah. do you think? I feel like this film worked for me in the sense that it explained a very technical process mm -hmm. that otherwise I wouldn't be able to engage with, but managed to keep me on the edge of my seat throughout that whole journey. In a similar way that Top Gun Maverick was able mm -hmm. to let me know the stakes immediately of what was going on, I did know the ending of this. Yeah. But despite that, I was pretty gripped the yeah. whole time. Uh, I remember we were sort of talking about films we were going to watch, and the reason I thought I fancied it is because of the cast. Viggo yes. Mortensen. Yeah, great in everything. Yeah, Colin Farrell, great in everything. Great in everything. Joel, Joel Edgerton, Edgerton is like the go-to best supporting actor for loads of things. Yes. Do you know what I mean? He's like you're solid. Yeah, and I don't. And I, good in everything. He, I'd say. He, and he could be a great leading man, but I feel like he always is there, like mm. just carrying the supporting yeah. side of it. Um, and I just felt like it was really good. I I think what works really well from this film is I really believed Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell mm. were these like haggard, hardy. Mm deep sea cave divers. Mm. And I really believe that they were an expertise in their in their field. Yeah. Like I think the first shot you see of Vigo Mortensen is him in his house hunched over a load of diving equipment. Mm. And I can just like imagine that that's, that's what he does. Um, yeah, Ron Howard, uh, I think does a good job with this. I think he does, he's done a lot of very different mm. films all with very different technical requirements. And I think about what it would be like to try and capture this film which is a lot of your action taking place in a dark tunnel mm. underwater with your actor's face obscured mm. by a mask. And you've got to communicate the sense of threat mm. whilst also like showing what's going on and why mm. that's risky. And I thought, and I thought that worked. Mm. Um, I think it is a bit long, two and a half hours for something that going back and forth is a little bit repetitive. Right. And I think there were some elements of it where I was like, I get what's going to happen and I see what has to happen, but we're going to take a very long time mm. to tell that story. There is something, and Ron Howard spoke about this, that about the pulling together of uh, and the goodwill Loads of, of people. people, both locally, nationally, and internationally, yeah. to save these boys and, and their coach. And, and people who had to sacrifice their farmland yeah. uh, as they had to literally build dams and redirect the water yeah. away from the cave, which meant they just wouldn't have a crop that yeah. year because they were just 
throwing water yeah. at their thing. And this film, basically, the entire time, everything is wet, rainy, yeah. drippy, soggy. Yeah. If you're not in the water, you are just covered yeah. in water and you really get, oh, this is what it's like to be in a monsoon in Southeast Asia. Like, yeah. nothing is operable. Everything is compromised. Um, so, well, I think uh, well, maybe I should just come in. And, yeah. So it, it, the film really explains the process by which these these boys were, were rescued. And I don't yeah. think that's a spoiler to say that I think really if you don't know that story, then you're not going to be interested in seeing this film. And we've not ruined it for you by time. No, yeah. not at all. And um, initially they have some Navy SEALs that go in and try to dive. But as someone points out later, these guys are used to diving in deep sea diving. Now, yeah. it's, cave diving is something completely, completely different. different. It's almost like doing rock climbing underwater. Yeah. And there is a, uh, a council called the British um, Cave Divers Council, which is an international, well, British-led organization where British divers who, not their full-time job, are their volunteers are often brought in to help solve these situations. Yeah. So, Colin Farrell, uh, Viggo Mortensen's character is a retired fireman, and Colin Farrell's character is an IT consultant, and I, based on a real guy. He was just yeah. an IT consultant who who did this. They're flown out by the Thai government to figure out a way of getting the boys, and they are actually the, the people who first discover the boys and have that famous GoPro footage. Um, and like you said above, they're, they're, you know, meanwhile while the, the scuba divers are trying to get people out and work out how how to do that, up above there's a water engineer trying to stop the flow of and uh, stop the caves getting flooded because it keeps raining yeah. and the flood keeps they happening. Literally, have to stare, there's these sinkholes where water is sinking yeah. into the cave, and they have to just redirect this water, which is crazy. And, they, yeah. and I think you know, it, towards the end, it said that when they actually got them out, yeah. it was only two days later that that entire the area where they yeah. were sitting, the entire place was underwater, yeah. and it would have just been over. And well, one before I give you sort of my thoughts, did you know the exact ins and outs of how they got them out? No, because oh, right, and, and that's and, where I think it works. And I didn't know how long it took yes. to get from the entrance yes. to there. So they they kept having this vector diagram, which was like a two D uh, tunnel showing you whereabouts they were at all times in the process, and they would tell you six and a half hours to just to go in. Yeah. Think about six and a half hours of diving it's basically a work a small, day it's insane and then you have to go back so that's yeah. 12 hours yeah and so and yeah, yeah you go into detail about how they got them out so i i think just to pick up on what you said i think i, I liked 13 lives yeah i think what works is that the film manages to both be very respectful to the true story yeah and and the people involved and the people affected whilst also um getting cinematic thrills and functioning as an effective an thriller entertaining film there are you know, you, the bits we say, how do you make a film in dark spaces with your 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 star's face covered, etc. I think Ron Howard really leans into like the cinematic excitement of being in the dark and limited light, and, and how you as an audience lean into that. Mm. The scenes, well, the, the tension of, with just a little cord being stuck on a stalactite, yes. what that means, the, right? The, the the scenes of them <clears throat> navigating incredibly um, tight spaces in, underwater in the dark. Um, is visceral. I, you know, you have a visceral reaction to it. Hold you, your breath. You gasp. You go. Oh, it makes you feel uncomfortable. It's claustrophobic. And Colin Farrell said, I think he had a panic attack the first time he actually yeah. practiced one of the scenes. And you can understand why. Um, so I, I think that is what carries it through on the whole. Yeah. That, that that's what makes Thirteen Lives work. Personally, I didn't find the runtime too uh, too laborious for me. Yeah. I actually. I was invested in the story enough. You know, I, I knew what happened and I knew the beats of it. Like I knew sadly that the the, the, the tie diver died. And I remember thinking at the time when I was watching it on the news, this is an incredibly interesting story that I genuinely believed wasn't going to have a happy ending. Yeah. And what I like is that even though you know the ending, I did feel like a sense of emotional stakes because you really care for these boys 
And there's a lovely bit where they talk about how their coach has looked after them Who for 10 days. Who also felt an enormous amount of guilt for yes. leading them into the cave in oh, the first and that's, place. And you know, talk, you know, he, he feels guilty and he tries to get them to meditate. And someone says to, to him later, energy, yeah. he says to the coach, he's like, it's not your fault. No one's blaming you. No one thinks yeah. it's your fault. And when they first discover the British divers, they have this heartbreaking moment when they have to leave them in the darkness and say, we need to, we need to go back and tell people how to get to you. Yeah. And all the boys have to turn their batteries off, turn their the torches off to save batteries, and they're just in the darkness. And they get out, and Colin Farrell's kind of optimistic, but a little bit clueless. And like, yeah, we're going to come back tomorrow. And Viggo Mortensen just says, those boys are going to die in that cave. It's like, don't say that. You're never you going to get them You're never going to get them out. And you really do understand that they, it, they almost couldn't. And the solution that they come up with, which oh, involves... Just, just to context, like... They couldn't just like put diving equipment on them and send them through. Yes. Like, you would have to be an expert diver yes. for six hours underwater in the dark to get through. So it would have been impossible yeah. to just get them get them out. And, and, and as as we were saying, even experienced divers were having trouble, and you know yeah. there was loss of life. And there's there's they really established the stakes early on where there's they the the, the 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 cave floods quite quickly, and they have to rescue someone who's like setting up a generator. Yeah, one of the the Thai seals and he panics and hits yeah. his head and you get a real sense that this is this is very dangerous um the way that they do get them out which i won't say in case you don't know because that was quite an interesting reveal for me to find out is is via joel edgerton's character it's quite a harebrained scheme and i and i was genuinely like that is crazy unbelievable that is crazy that that is how they did it but you have this film that what i like is that the film like the mission itself is just all about getting the boys out of the cave yeah so it is quite efficient at just getting on with it there's, there's not really any lost moments because there is no time to waste the film yeah. is you know there's a documentary about the re about the rescue called the rescue which was made by the guys who did um free solo oh, right, uh, which yeah. i want to see because it's on disney oh, plus right great, yeah and you know that obviously will take more times to, to go through it and naturally within the even if even at two and a half hours there's details that i thought i would like to know a bit more about that mm. but even that amount of time they they really kind of um pull you in i think that I don't really have any drawbacks. I think the, this, this, there's, you know this as a British person, there's a bit of dialogue between Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell, neither of whom, neither of whom are, of are British. And you know about custard creams and yeah. biscuits. There's a little oh, bit like, it's like they're like, can you insert some British dialogue here? Please? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, okay, I'll put some stuff in it about There biscuits. are some accents there. You've got Colin Farrell doing a very sort of oh, southern, yeah. longish. Right, I mean, like what? The, the, yeah. the tourist cave. And then Vigo's trying to Vigo a little bit, but he's a little kind bit. Of, yeah. It's, it's a little bit, it's 120%. It needs to be back to yeah. 100. It's a little bit too far. But. I think I think it's a but shame in a way. Wise, I think they were bang on. Yeah, Re like it was, so it's really realistic and naturalistic acting, totally. which I think they do really well. And Joel Edgerton also. Yeah, I, I think it's a shame in a way that the film has not had a bigger release on cinema yeah. because I seeing that in a cinema would be just so like it, it feels very cinematic that sort of yeah. visceral reaction. Um, so it's effective and and tight whilst being respectful and being thrilling and also having loads of small moments of human. Um, warmth and, yeah. and 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 heartwarmingness that never is saccharine and never overstated. There's no grandstanding. Doesn't in feel it. indulgent. Yeah. There's no, no bit where they go, "Come on, we can do. It. We, we will have American our Independence flag, Day. Yeah. We're going no, to live on. There's no We're bit going to succeed. And there is obviously there's like a slight uh, conflict at the beginning, which is that you have you know this is a Thai operation, but they're having to bring in these Westerners to come in. Yeah. And I think that the way they kind of address that quickly, but understood that it was like. The mission again. The mission belongs to everything. They're not trying to say tell them what to do. It's just that they know cave diving. Yeah. Um, but there's also the, the this whole sense that the 
the Thai governor of that region was literally like the week of his retirement. Yes. And he was, you know, being, it, 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 was, very, it was very clear that they, especially in the beginning, that they probably weren't going to be able to get them out or even alive. Yeah. And there was this whole idea that someone would be the fall guy for this. And he was under a lot of political pressure to make the right decision and make yes. the right call. And obviously like they had the loss of the Thai diver and whether or not they wanted to put the English people at risk versus mm. the Thai people and all of that he was kind of balancing. Mm. And that kind of added another layer of like, are we making the right decision for our careers or for what's yes. best for the boys yeah. and all of that? I think I think what um, is quite incredible is that, and why why people should watch this film is that we because we know the ending, we think oh they just got them out, they rescued yeah. them, it was fine. But what really came across watching the film is that that basically was not going to happen. Yeah. They they really did not expect. To, even with the plan that they went with, they expected to lose people, to lose people and, and more than half. Like, it was so risky. When, so when it, they go to take the first person out, I was like, oh my God, yeah. I cannot believe they are doing yeah. this. And, and then they have to get the mask for the small kid. I mean, I know, it's, it's, it's an incredible story told very even-handedly, told very well and very uh, effectively. So 13 Lives, it's on Amazon Prime. You know, it hasn't got a big cinema release, but do check it out. Yeah, I, I think do. it's really something to watch. I'd love to see a behind the scenes of like, from a technical perspective, yeah. how they, I'm sure they did loads of tank work, but how you film and like effectively storyboard that yeah. process and make it make sense. And yeah. I think just that graphic really helps yeah. you know, oh my God, they've been, they've, been, they've been diving for three hours and then not halfway. And brilliant imagery of like, the Thai landscape. Oh just, yeah, just, like monsoon. This is a proper big budget misty. committed yeah. film. Just think about swimming for six hours. I, I, I know. I just and I, then coming up, seeing what you see, and then having to go back for six hours. Yeah. I just and then carrying like two tanks of oxygen. Yeah. I just it completely blows your mind. It's, it is an incredible story. Yeah. So go check it out and let us know what you think. If you want to let us know what you think, you can write into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Thirteen Lives. So another film that I saw this week was Bullet Train. Mm. I had a much better time with Bullet Train than I thought I would. It's the new film directed by David Leach. And it's actually a film that was adapted from a novel called Maria Beetle, which is Bullet Train in Japanese. Okay. And originally when I heard about this film, um, I saw the trailer and I thought it looked quite fun. And it's yeah. directed by David Leach, who had recently done uh, Deadpool 2, okay. Atomic Blonde, and had worked on the John Wick right. films. So I knew what kind of territory we were dealing with. But I had heard that it had been taken from a Japanese novel and had been injected with, like, comedy. Right. And I, can't, I don't know why, it's kind of a red flag for me. Yeah. And I thought maybe this might not quite land. And for the first 20 minutes, the film didn't really land with me. I'll be honest, I wasn't quite mm. there. It has a very larger than life dialogue style. It's very Guy Ritchie. Oh, so you've yeah. got these, um, so it, star it stars Brad Pitt who plays this character called Ladybug. And we exist in this world of hitmen, assassins, guns yeah. for hire. And he is known for having really bad luck. Even when he's not trying to kill people, right. people get killed. And he's on the phone to his like sort of agent, uh, woman who's played by voiced by Sandra Bullock who's sort of nursing him through this film trying to get him from A to B and he boards this bullet train and he's meant to get this briefcase that's all you really know about it and you've also got on the other side uh, characters played by uh, called Tangerine and Lemon right. who are played by Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry oh, yeah. who we mentioned briefly that's a lot of names and they are this like British comedy action oh, hitmen duo and they have this very specific Guy Ritchie-esque style of talking you know in Guy Ritchie in a Guy Ritchie film he'll go 
Yeah, you know what that reminds me of? My mate George. And you know what happened to George when he didn't get his way? It wasn't good. When George didn't get his way, he would go back and do this. And when he oh, did no. that, people were in trouble. It can kind of grace on you. Yeah. And I think for the first 20 minutes, I was a little bit like, this is a lot. There's yeah. a lot of style. There's a lot of motion. But there was a gag at like 20, 25 minutes in that really got me. Yeah. And once that happened, I was warmed up and I was in mm. and it passed the six laugh test for me. Oh, wow. It really did. I actually started counting, which is kind of lame, but I actually really enjoyed and my you, time with it. And did you see it on your own? I saw it on oh, my own good. in the cinema last night. And I was like, this is funny. The audience, everyone in the audience was also laughing and mm. everyone was in. Yeah. This film has a certain kinetic, fast-paced style in its direction and its cinematography. Yeah. And sometimes when a filmmaker really goes for it with that pace, I can sometimes feel like the actors aren't in the same metronomic sync with the style. Yeah. I felt like all the actors were in sync mm. with this. It could very, You know how it could very easily have not felt like everyone was committing? Yeah. I feel like everyone was really committing. Yeah. Despite the slightly hammy, overwordy dialogue from Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry, they're great in it. Yeah. And Brad Pitt is also great in it, which I think without those central performances, you might have lost something. Mm. Beginning is a little bit disorienting and it just, it ends and then it has another half an hour. Oh, right. So there's a really hot middle in this film where, which I think really works because you, you're introduced to Brad Pitt's character. And then you start hearing about Brian Tory Henry and Aaron Taylor Johnson. And then this other character, I think it's played by Mackenzie Foy, who's also got something to do. And all of a sudden, all of their objectives start layering right. on top of each other. And it starts to make sense. And you get this comedy of errors where they're on this bullet train. Yeah. And one of them is trying to get one thing, but the other person has found it and moved it over yeah, there. The other fast, person now yeah. finds it. It's like, where the hell's that gone? And all of a sudden, you're like, this is just crazy yeah. but i'm actually laughing at many and many of the jokes um i do feel like in the end it really tried to tie home loads of plot right. more plot than was needed and i got to the end and i was a bit like yeah okay fine yeah. i was actually just having fun with these characters yeah, yeah, yeah. but my expectations were low but i ended up really enjoying myself and i laughed a few times barely laughed a few times key question runtime two hours six minutes Okay, so I, I, it's about what you think, but the end is, it, it, it ends kind of where I think, I think, yeah, this is coming to an end. And then you have like this whole other larger than life action sequence. It's really cool, but I was like, I was already kind of, you checked out. I was already kind of done and you brought in this like whole other plot element, which I could have taken or leaving, hmm. taken or left. Taken, I could take it, taken or leaving. No, take no, it. that's not. Leaving is not a <laughs> no, word. Take, trying to I could have taken or bread. left it. Leaven some bread. Um, that's interesting. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it, had a, it had a really hot middle. Yeah. Where like everything was in flow, and I got who they were, mm. and I I knew why that was funny that that had been mm. moved, and why their intentions yeah. are really funny, and they sort of fleshed out some of the character stories, and I was like, this is actually better than I thought. I thought I would dislike it more. Yeah. You've got, it is a David Leach film. You've got elements of Deadpool yeah, yeah. wit in there. You've got action like John Wick. Blood? It's a little bit die hard. Lots of blood. Cool. Blood, blood splattering everywhere. Um, and, and Brian Tyree Henry and Aaron Taylor Johnson, too many names, two yeah, yeah. triple barrel names. Lose, lose a middle name. Lose a middle name. Um, they just have such a great electric chemistry together, oh, which could have really fallen flat with the Guy Ritchie-esque dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, I can mention Guy, Guy Ritchie. It's got the, the, it's really heavily borrowing from like Snatch and yeah. Smoke and Aces, but those films have not like, not Guy Ritchie, but like, you know what I mean? Those kind of early, early naughty films. And those films have like a dirt under their fingernails, yeah. which give them that quality. This doesn't 
have that, yeah. but it it's borrows. Classy, yeah. yeah, but it re it really borrows from that pool of storytelling. Yeah. Even even Pulp Fiction style of like we're going to flesh out this backstory mm. and cir circle it around and surprise you. If you're really interested and you want a good action film, go and see it. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I wouldn't rush out. I'd probably enjoy it more on streaming. I think. I, I think, think so I, too. It sounds like I I I would be op I'm open to watching it. Oh, so I like the fact it looks just kind of different. I like things that lean into a concept. Yeah, bullet joke. It's it's a fast, but it's all gonna be stuck on a train. Yeah, like that. Um, I think I, really could, I, think I could. I think I probably wait to streaming to see that. It's like it's like I could have looked at the visual style and gone, uh, whatever. But as I said, like everyone feels a part of this world. Yeah. That the bullet train is zipping by at two hundred miles an hour, and the city lights are always sort of passing by and glossing mm. on people's faces. And it it is a bit silly, but I don't feel like the film ever took itself so seriously that the way in which it it sort of took inspiration from a bunch of other things didn't really do it enough to offend me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Very good. That's what that's what I think about it overall. It's okay. it's it's good fun. What did um, Francois Bourgeois think of it? <laughs> well, here we are on I'm the bullet train. I'm here to ride the bullet train with yeah. Brad Pitt. Oh, that's a little bit too Louis. That, that marketing was. writes itself. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. I mean, I, if they haven't done that, I don't know why, what they're waiting for, frankly. Yeah. Um, there's cool. also, I just want to briefly mention, you've also got Hiroyuki Sanada, who's also great. You'll know him if you, do you know who that is? You'll know if you've seen his face. It's this guy. That guy. Yes. He's great in this, and he like plays a really cool character that reveals himself. There's a couple of like fun cameos in there, cool. which are, it's very modern. Good. Oh, okay, interesting. And I don't think it annoyed me. And the fact that it's quite modern and didn't take itself too seriously overall, I think, is why it was a good film. Okay. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm again, I'm interested to watch it. When I watch it, who knows? But thank you. Don't miss Bullet Train. And if you have seen Bullet Train, let us know what you think. Email into hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com and tell us your thoughts. James, another new release that's out is Prey, which mm. is the new Predator film. I know nothing about this. Do you see what they've done there? They've taken Predator and gone, what's that opposite? What? Prey. Someone in a meeting just rubbed it out. Yeah. And, and everyone clapped. It's the same guy who, when they wrote Alien, put an S at the end. He's yeah. like, I present to you aliens. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Ship it. Um, Prey. So let's just take a bit of a step back and look mm. at Predator films for a bit of context here. Yes. Right. You have the original Predator, and I want to say 1987. Yeah. Right? Arnold Schwarzenegger film, In the Jungle. I've only seen Predator once. Same. But solid, good enough time, great. Of its era. Then you have Predator 2, which I haven't seen, but nope. I think the broad consensus is it doesn't really work. Bringing him into the city takes all the sort of um, mystery out of it. Didn't the... know anything about it, but that already sounds bad. Go. Yeah. And then you get like nothing. That was like early 90s. You get no Predators. And then you get like, well, you get Alien versus Predator, but that, oh, we're yeah. just, we're just, those aren't canon. Yeah, we just don't count those. No. I actually w didn't mind Predators, which was the Robert Rodriguez 2010. Oh, Adrian no. Brody? Yes. Actually, it might be Nimrod Antal who directed it. But yes, I've Adrian Brody, I saw that in cinemas. Gina Rodriguez, oh, Michelle Rodriguez, rather. That is the story where you get a random collection of people from Earth crash on who, who awa awaken on this strange landscape, which they realize is a different planet. And all of them are basically criminals from, from Earth. Bad ending. What, let me get there, James. Um, you've got Adrian Brody um, in like his hulking, I'm going to be an action hero guy. Yeah. You've got Michelle Rodriguez, Walton Goggins, Topher Grace, oh Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. And um, uh, I think, yeah. It's a good cast. It's, it's a good cast. And it's an interesting premise. It's this idea that they have been like 
you don't know you don't see anything else other than on that planet and the idea is that they are game to be hunted by the predators right okay. it's like a um open season and yeah it, it, it's it's serviceable it has a bit of a bad ending but but i remember thinking this is an I lo- interesting premise that's an interesting take sure in a different direction then that didn't really go anywhere. And then in 2018, you get The Predator, which is directed by Shane Black, which I mentioned recently right. when we were going yes. to the Marvel yeah, things. Yeah, right. yeah. Now, I haven't seen The Predator. And it was on at that bar we were at. Yeah, and I watched, but I did watch it. And I could tell from watching it that what everyone says about it is true, which is that it's like four films in one and it is in just a disaster, complete mess. You've really? got comedy here, horror over there, action here, gloss there, CGI here. Just no one, no one engaged. I don't it. even uh, think I like uh, was aware of it when it right, came out. Exactly. So you kind of had like you've had four Predator films, not including AVP. You've had four Predator films where only really one of them's really landed, which is the first one. Although, like I said, I didn't mind the Robert mm-hmm. you know, the, the 2010 one. So this brings in Prey, which is like this rethink and redoing of the whole franchise, right? Here's the story. It's set in 1719, right? No. And follows um, Naru. Yeah, okay. Are you counting how many years ago that was? Just get brushing off on my early 1700s. It's set in 1719 in the Great Plains of North America. And it follows a Comanche settlement, and specifically Naru, who is a, a Comanche. And she loves to hunt and she wants to be a good hunter. And she has, she's very adept at using her father's battle axe. But, um, the gender roles within the settlement require her to be out essentially gathering and doing the female chores, the preparing of the food, the preparing the medicine. But that's not what she wants to do. Then there's something in the woods, basically, which the film reveals very early on to be the predator, okay? It makes no secret about that. This film relies on, but it just works on the knowledge that you know that this is a predator film, right? Um, There's something in the woods. She doesn't know what it is. We know what it is. But her and she's got to try and convince the other Comanches that there's something up. Meanwhile, there is death, there is danger, and she finds herself being hunted by the predator. And then you get this she's very prey. Exactly, she is the prey. People are picked off. You get this game of cat and mouse, and the whole idea of it is for her to want want to be a hunter. There's this whole rite of passage she has to go through is for, to, for coming of age, which is you you hunt not to survive, but to, like to hunt because you need to because you can. And who is your, you know, the figure you need to fight against? And it's and it's the predator. So it's directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who did <coughs> Ten Cloverfield Lane, yeah, um, amongst other things. And like Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I liked, I thought was serviceable, yep. solid, efficient. That is what I think about with Prey. I like the fact they've, after the bloatedness of 2018, they've gone. We're going to try a different direction. We're not going to tie this to the modern world at all. We can't have any pop culture references in it at all. We're going to strip it down and make it about a cat and mouse thriller. And I, I think it's a solid piece of work, actually. It's not fantastic. It's not amazing. But what it is is solid, serviceable, efficient, and kind of effective. Is it damning with saint, damning with faint praise? Or it's actually like a good No, I, no, I, yeah, I, I, I actually I, like put it. Way, it's, it's, it's been released onto Disney+. Plus, and I watched it. It's an hour 40, and I think it's hit the spot perfectly. Yeah. You, what, here's what works for it. You've got really well choreographed uh, fight scenes that don't scrimp on the violence and the gore, okay? The Predator is a little bit CGI-y, but the, there's a really good... There's several really good sequences where the Predator fights and the Predator fights others, and it's done in a way that isn't just sensationalist or boring. They've really thought about it. Um, there's long, long extended takes of Naru fighting people. You, know, you don't get the sort of sanitized, quick-cutting. Yeah. And... 
I like that even though it introduces very early on that the predator is on the planet, it it still takes time to build up how she hunts. There's a there's a kind of a, kind of a juxtaposition happening where you see the predator hunting apex predators in the environment. So you see the predator hunt a wolf, right? A bear, an elk, and then meanwhile you see her kind of developing her skills as a as a, as a hunter. And I like the fact it took time to build that up and, and, and create a sense of suspense and fear and danger. That the, 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 it's not just the predator. There's also like mountain lions and, and things like that. And then when the action kicks off, when the, the violence happens, it works. I have to say I was, I was really enjoying it. It really doesn't linger too long. It has a good sense of pace. And the ending is kind of satisfying. I, it, I like that it's one predator, basically one person, And you've got this kind of very B-movie territory. You've got great big landscape shots of the Great Plains. Beautiful. But you've basically only got about three characters. You've got the Predator. You've got Naru and her brother. And there's a couple of other people in the settlement, but they're really not major. Um, it's it's fine. It's good. It's it's solid. I, I, I sound like I'm giving it down with fake praise, no, but, yeah. but, I, but I really, I would say if you're like, um, want something to throw on, Maybe for a plane, maybe for a train, or you just staying in one night and you want something to watch. I I I recommend Prey. That, that's fine. That that to me feels like where Predator should sit. Yes. It's one of those IPs that I think will be rebooted every four to eight years, and they'll yeah. find a new way to say the Predator, Predator, Predators. Yeah. Or yeah. this time yeah. they've run out of ways yeah. to say Prey. Um, and I feel like that's I'm fine with like in forty years we'll have had five more reboots. Yeah, but if they're good and they're entertaining in the yes. same way that Predator was in its original inception, who's who's bothered? This feels much more loyal and much more well loyal to the original Predator in that it is stripped down. Okay, the other one was in the jungle, but this is in, in the forest. So it's like stripped down, focuses on the premise, and in a way expands on it as well. I think I think the two of them together, it's almost like is it like Logan compared to X Men Three? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a detox it's a nice detox and honestly i think you could just you could just draw a line from predator to prey and have those as a double bill and cut out all the other predator films i do think it's a really interesting follow-up and a way of engaging with that ip you've taken an ip that's been worn out and doesn't really have a direction and been able to sort of recontextualize it and refocus on it. And, you know, I'm watching it thinking, this Predator's fucking badass and fucking yeah. dangerous. I'm, I feel kind of fearful of the Predator. You said you sort of letterboxed. Were your expectations raised by something you'd seen there? Because right. I, I don't think that's a film necessarily that you or I would jump so, out to see. So I'm wondering where you like, had you heard good things well, and that sparked you to go see no, it? No, no. What, 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 the reason I wanted to see is that I, I was on Letterboxd and it came out in the US a week before. And there was just this film called Prey. I didn't know anything about it, but I looked at the the typeface they used in the poster and I was like, that looks like the Predator typeface. Mm. And also, before I even recognized the typeface, I thought, what is this film that I haven't heard of that doesn't seem to be connected to existing IP? And I looked at it, I was like, Prey. And then I realized it was connected to Predator. And that's what intrigued me. I thought, oh, good. Okay, it's 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 a sab- it's attached to existing IP, but it's gone and basically done a standalone film. It, it, it is to Predator what like you know the Batman is to the DC films, and and I mean that's big and blue, but you know yeah yeah, the, and Joker is as well. Just go and do a standalone story. You could do another standalone Predator film, yeah. just set in a different time period. You know, like Assassin's Creed would yeah. always come back and be set in a different time period, but you're basically sure. an assassin. Yeah, do that with Predator films. Just keep making take the uh, concept of a uh, elite yeah. huntsman. So, so like you know, the, I mentioned Predators. I liked that for having an interesting concept. It just didn't deliver as much. I think 
it's solid and delivers on the action and and the thrills of a monster on monster pick would you have paid a cinema ticket to go see it or is it is it sort of existing in this amazon prime i I, I think if you saw it at the cinema you wouldn't be disappointed i think you've got the visuals there and i said you've got you've got the nice cinematic uh choreography it does feel a bit like a b a b side you know a a b movie but um maybe i'll check that out i i I, I think you should i i I think it is a solid weeknight put it on i don't think you'll be disappointed i think you'll get enough out of it there you go you're you're listening to i'm not i'm not beefing up saying oh it's 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 really good i'm like yeah it's Sounds it's what fun. you said. It is exactly what it should be. Yeah. It's fine. And that's all it needs to be. <laughs> it's entertaining. It's Thank there. you. There'll be another one in six years that hopefully is also good. Yeah. It's not trying to world build. Just let it be a film. Oh, God. Yeah, that is Thank nice, God. Did you watch Prey? Do you agree with George? Let us know and write into the show. You can do by emailing hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Well, there you go. Thank you for listening to our reviews episode this week. This was extra piece of content that we put out on a Friday, but we do our full episodes every single Wednesday. We just reviewed uh, Nope on episode 37. We did a spoiler-free discussion, and we then gave you a warning and went into spoilers. If you were interested in that, uh, go by all means, check it out. But that's That's all from us. Thank you very much. Thank you.